Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast as we have a lot to talk about this week. Great show. Great show planned today. First up, Tom Weisenbach and Brennan Haven to talk about Super Bowl 53. The Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick win their sixth Super Bowl title, the most ever, tying with the Steelers, the most ever in Super Bowl history. And we talk about all the commercials, the halftime show, the prop bets, the Hall of Fame class, good one this year. And then we look ahead to what is on tap for next season, who are the favorites there. And then I chat with Brandon Marcus about the NBA trade deadline. We recorded this yesterday, broke down a lot of news, the Anthony Davis saga, why Porzingis is a maverick now. What's next for teams like the Wizards missing John Wall and, and what other deals might happen today after we uh, post this online? So a lot to talk about with Brandon Marcus. First up, Tom Weisenbach and Brennan Haven. This is the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect back again. Tom Weisenbach, Brennan Haven. We're talking Super Bowl 53. I think that's what the Roman numerals say. It's L and three I's is 53. Yeah, it's just Lee, and then you just add a new Lee. Next year is Live. Live. Super Bowl Live next year. In Miami. All the kids are going to say it's Live instead of Lit. (laughs) (laughs) You saw that online. Yeah. God. (laughs) She always steals my sources. I showed you that. (laughs) Did you see how, like, every uh, every, uh, old Super Bowl graphic just looked a lot cooler? Now I I feel like they're just mailing it in, but there are some cool ones with the Roman numerals in, like, the 30s. I think the X really lends itself to a cool logo. I like the X. We had, uh, yeah. That was. I'm really upset I wasn't around to do a show when there was Super Bowl Triple X, but we're <laughs> still here. 53. Starring Vin Diesel. Yeah, I know. Foreshadowing. 53. So, yeah, we've been. This is close to. I mean, definitely. Me, we've been, I think, around for over half of them now. So, we kind of have uh, some Super Bowl uh, experience, but wasn't the most exciting one. The Pats win their sixth title, 13 to 3, over the Rams. First thoughts. Where does this rank for you? Is this one of the worst Super Bowls ever? Because I'm on the mindset of it wasn't great, definitely not one of the best. But it was at least some drama in the game. There was I can think of two off the top of my head, that both involving the Broncos, that were worse than this one. Yeah, I agree with you. There's definitely been some blowouts in in Super Bowls recent past, and, and a lot of them have been close over the last 10, 10 15 years, but... But yeah, I still I'm I'm with you on that that it was competitive at least and it, there was drama until the end you know until that interceptions thrown. It, I thought I fully expected the Rams to score tie the game up and for there to be some further drama. The like, Patriots always do that too. Yeah, if you like defense, that's this is the game for you. Yeah, you know, and, and I think this was first was a masterclass in Belichick and his coaching and everything, and I just think he from the start to finish out coach McVay. I think that was part of it. And I think they were going to play whatever game it took to win. I think he realized early our defense has got their number. We're just going to grind it out. I felt pretty confident that they were going to win this game. Even if the Rams would have scored that touchdown, I feel like the Pets offense could have taken more chances. You, you saw that, right? We'll get into prop bets in a second. But one of the ones I lost on was I thought the Pats would convert for fourth down because they like to be aggressive. And they you were almost had it. Almost. That. You were Why wouldn't you sneak it right? on fourth and one instead of kicking the field goal? My my uh my thought process being, if that was my team in that exact situation, not counting what I bet on, I would rather sneak it 
But hey, you made the field goal. It's it's fine. No one cares That's a anymore. Tough decision. If right? Romo was even on the fence with that one. What would um, you do if it was the Eagles? I I, I still think I kick. kick? Because Elliot's one of the better field goal kickers in the league. Well, they also mentioned yeah. Sue and Donald. They're going to be in the middle there, and if anybody's going to stop Tom, it's Tom a, it was like an inch yard deal, and that's that and is so close. I think forty's my cap. Anything less than forty, I probably kick because I got to feel good about a kicker making a less than forty yard field goal. But, I mean, to put you up two scores. To put you up like, two scores. But we're talking he less than one field goal. Yeah, yeah. So he's definitely not going to miss another one. I mean, we're talking inch line. That was that was yeah. close, but either way, um, they just weren't they just weren't aggressive because they didn't need to be. They punted a lot. They played the field position game, and that was just a master class uh, defense. Complete opposite of Super Bowl Fifty Two. It was definitely more of a chess match than a shootout, obviously. But like. I, and I also think that I mean we can talk about golf playing bad. I think there's something wrong with Gurley. I mean we oh absolutely. I respect him for gutting it out. I think that was, you know, whatever happened, it definitely seemed like something was there. But without him being at full strength, Belichick was not going to let Jared Goff throw all over him in this game. He kind of baited him into having to do so to win. That pick was the first time, it came after that drop that Brandon Cooks had, but it was the first time they ran that zero blitz all game and did exactly what it was supposed to do, confused him. He chucked it up, they got the pick. The throw, uh, the throw in the I think it was the third quarter, where he uh, was that the third quarter or the end of the first half where he had Cooks in the end zone wide open and just missed it. He missed a couple. Yeah, uh, but wide they, open. They usually like, yeah. throw that deep dig route. Um, that you, you you saw that too, where um, somebody was wide open in the middle of the field yeah. on a long third down, uh-huh. and, and Goff kind of just was reverting back to. I guess just chucking it up on the sidelines, thinking that his guy has the one-on-one matchup. I don't think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Goffer wins. <laughs> well, did you know? Did you uh, did you know that? Selfish. Wins. Did you know? That, yeah, we're not going to get into that. Yeah, did not, you know not, that Goff? That as far as quarterbacks go, I read this stat the other day. In the last forty years, only one QB has ever won a Super Bowl after losing their first appearance in the big game. And that Sorry, was. Say that again? After losing a Super Bowl their first time there, only one other quarterback in the last 40 years went on to win one. And I don't know that name. It's John Elway. Oh. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, it's the, uh, the point being, Marino there's too, no... As good as yeah, Marino never was, went back. Never year and thinking he was going to be back constantly never and, back. and never went back. I mean, it just shows you that it's so hard to get back to that game. But maybe he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback I think I mean, their line got abused, too, so it's not fair to put it all on golf. And there were some coaching issues, which we talked about. Why did they the, – my biggest pet peeve in the moment was it's 3 nothing in the second quarter. It's third down and two with, like, 30 seconds left. You have two timeouts. Just take the timeout. I think they're around their own 40. Get the play you want. You still only need to get into field goal range. you got Zerline who could kick yeah. for miles. McVay was definitely intimidated and, yeah. and, and played a little bit conservative there, which which is not how you can no. beat the Patriots. You have to kind of you know beat them at their own game. I think part of it is just aggressive. you get on your heels a little bit with them. Like Belichick did it to Andy Reid. Now Reid snapped out of it in the second half, but – you know, you get things going your way early on, on that side of the ball, and then suddenly it's like, oh, crap, what's the game plan? What are we doing? They forgot who they were. The line, line just got completely pushed around, and Goff's biggest play probably shouldn't have counted that pass to uh, Woods on the sideline. I didn't think he got that second foot. didn't stay down the whole time. But I thought it's, it was, it was if close. they went to review, it would have been close. Yeah. I thought that the, the foot was, was down when he had possession, but it would have been close regardless, and, and 
good on them for going up and snapping the ball yeah. you know, right away. A lot of a lot of clock management issues, timeouts that were used um, early for both sides. That was surprising to me for for two pretty buttoned up teams. I thought, yeah, I thought, you know, the New England Brady throwing a pick on his first play, otherwise just settling down, not really taking too many chances. Michelle had I think ninety four yards rushing, which was which was good for him. Gronk having a throwback game, and and I was thinking about this today when I was reassessing the Super Bowl. He's not as good as he I guess once was. Part of that is just being beat up. I know he's playing through some injuries and it's taking a toll on someone who's he's still blocking unbelievably well. But he's still not bad enough to where you can get away with single covering him with the linebacker. And he falls into that trap of teams that are like, okay, well, Gronk slowed down, which he has. Now we don't have to assess for him as much. It's still a mismatch. Even even Gronk at 75% of what he was is still a mismatch for any linebacker in the league. Any linebacker, any nickel corner most of the time, they're going to be smaller guys uh, as it is too. So if you're going to put your speedy linebacker on him, or you're, and you're going to sacrifice some coverage skills, or gonna, and Brady just knows gonna, every time that mismatch is on, he's just going to get him the is ball. Is he contemplating being done? I think is that so. A rumor that, I'm hearing? that is a rumor. He I, said, "How in, old is he? Thirty." He said that if, be, I think he's if Brady's still playing, that he, that he has no excuse to retire. Here, yeah, I, he's about thirty, but it is the injuries. I mean, yeah. I heard you know you, you heard he had trouble leaving the, well, walking, leaving the stadium. Yeah. Like he's beat up bulging disc issue as well I think part of what it wouldn't surprise me if he just said I'm gonna rest for a little bit I'm, I'm gonna you know have an operation maybe just I don't want to say sit out a year right. but if he missed a lot of time to at the start of a season and he's been relevant every other year for the last few years as far as injuries sitting out for for a stretch of time coming back being very powerful for a long uh, you know for a longer I mean, stretch I think taking he's the, that yeah. injury time off again I think he's the best tight end ever. It can be debated. <laughs> he can be debated, but I think what we I think what we can't debate is in the, at least in this era, he's the best blocking tight end ever. Because he just shreds people up and it's huge on every play. I mean, I don't think any money's a factor in this at all. I think he's no. fine. He's fine for life. <laughs> well, Contrary to popular he's... opinion, he actually is pretty smart with his money. Yeah. Doesn't spend any, only only lives off of his endorsements. Yeah, I think he's really tuned into his body. Okay, I think I think he plays up the Gronk image a little bit. Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, that's his brand yeah. at this point. If you know, he's the 30 now and, and still acting like that, then yeah, of course. I think there's a lot of that in him. I just want to say, <laughs> I, think, I think that's who he is. I just think that he plays up Kind of the Ryan Lochte effect, but yeah. yeah. I think he likes to dance and have a good stupid. time. If he's on the Jumbotron, yeah. he's going to start dancing, but... Uh, more, more on the money, Mitch Effect with Brenna Haven and Tom Weisenbach, Super Bowl 53. Julian Edelman, MVP. This is, Speaking uh, of money, did you see the stat of uh, Brandon Cooks has made more this year than Julian Edelman has made his 10 years with the Pet? I, I, will, uh, I, I will say about Julian Edelman, I don't agree with the Hall of Fame talk, but some guys are just gamers, and he clearly is. And mm-hmm. This isn't just one game. This isn't just playing with Tom Brady because – I mean, there, there's receivers. Where was Chris Hogan in the game? Where are some of the big-name players that Brady's played with, even Wes Welker and Randy Moss, weren't as consistent when the lights were brightest like Edelman was. So good for him to you know be rewarded in this situation. It was the perfect storm for him to win MVP because nobody else was really no. doing anything. And I, I, Uncoverable. I, I like it. What I really liked was the tweet that I think Chris Harris, the Broncos cornerback, had where, said where he basically was like, if you have a slot corner – he has to be able to guard man to man. 
If you can't play man, that's what happens. And no matter who they put on Edelman in the slot, he was getting open. Yeah, yeah it's just basic seven-on-seven seven t- uh, tendencies there where I'm going to be where you're not, and I have enough time in the pocket as Tom Brady to react to that in a and chuck it to him as a safety net. And that's just basic you know, football. They have that five-yard out or the quick-breaking in route, you know, whichever kind of presents itself, and, and, and it's open every time. But, again, he's playing with Tom Brady. He's playing with Tom Brady forever. Just like he's, but he's, sh- he's smart because he could have left. He could have done the Amendola, uh, even for a Dion Branch. He could do the classic win with the Patriots, leave, he's get him a lot of money. So he could have made Brandon Cook's money, but then he'd probably be out of the league. Yeah. So he's, he's going to play a lot longer because okay. so Tom Brady retires, Julian Edelman and Gronk are not going anywhere. Although, do you have any merit into the suspension, steroid talk? I don't, yeah. He wins that, MVP. He had the he was suspended for, for four games, for four yeah. games early in the season. This year? I, uh, took steroids. So there's more <laughs> more oomph to the Patriots, you know, quote, cheating yeah, dynasty. Yeah. I don't know the specifics about it. I do know that a lot of these athletes are take, taking supplements and they need to be smarter about it. So yeah. if it's a one-time thing, I'm willing to say, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. But he is, he is, running, he is a Maxion guy. He is a Maxion guy. Former quarterback at Kent State. Him and they played against each other. Oh, did they, uh, yeah, they ran that graphic they all week. I did see other. that. Yeah. I, uh, I'm ready for the Miami bet. But. I mean, he was a, a work. He, he was a guy that worked hard to get to where he is. So I respect that about him. He was drafted not knowing where he'd be and, and look at him now. And then Brady, just six titles is just ridiculous. I mean, nine Super Bowl appearances in 17 complete seasons, yeah. not counting the injury, not counting his year backing up as a rookie. There really isn't, I mean, he's the greatest and there really isn't any use even saying it anymore. Yeah, we weren't really alive for for. Montana, we weren't, or, you yeah, know, we weren't really, uh, or, you know, for, for Bradshaw best, yeah. and Bradshaw for, for being right. like a game manager, and that uh-huh. defense really carried them. But I think Tom Brady's the face of this, and and Belichick being that defensive quote genius, um, really solidifies. No matter who they have in there, they can run the scheme, and and the do your job mentality gets it done. Tom is that X factor with with Belichick. I I just, I mean, mm-hmm. hats off, you know how. <laughs> I was asking Brenna this during the game, and I'll ask you the same thing. Like, is this more a testament to how can nobody in the AFC dethrone them, or is it the Patriots are that good? I think it's more. I think it should be more. The Patriots are that good. I think part of it. This game was a Belichick showcase for a lot of reasons, and and I'd say the roster management because everyone grilled them for some of their moves. I mean. Cook sleeves, they trade away him. Amendola, they let sign. Deion Lewis signs away. They bring in Josh Gordon, and then he's gone, and they still win the Super Bowl. So I mean, this Bench is running backs. Yeah, left they, and right. they draft Sony Michelle. They have. They're going to do it with with the running back by committee, which is what they've always done. The system is in place. I know it's not possible without Brady. And and just getting back to him, we weren't around for the for the Marinos, for the Montanas. There might have been better pure passers. I know the rules are make it a little easier for quarterbacks to have longevity, but there's no denying that no player in NFL history and, and maybe even sports history has dominated their era like Brady has. No, I, I agree. But I don't think Belichick could have done it without Brady, and I don't think Brady could have done it without Belichick. 
I think there's enough to believe. I think there's enough proof to say, obviously, they're not going to win six titles without Early the other. On, but yeah. I feel like, I mean, we've what we've seen from Belichick. I think if he's in another situation, I think he would have won a couple of Super Bowls. You think Just, he's going to die with golf with the Jets? I think he could. Okay, so we're saying that it's not a lock, but you don't think he would win a Super Bowl in any other coaching situation? I think he could win. I think he's sharp, one. right? I don't think he could win multiple. I I think he could. I mean, look at that game yesterday. Let's say Brady's not the quarterback yesterday. Let's say it's a solid game-managing quarterback. The Patriots still win that game. Well, yeah. So, I mean, and, and the first one against one. the first, <laughs> the first <laughs> Super Bowl against the Rams, Brady threw for less than 100 yards. This was before Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Right. I think I think he's just too gifted of a coach, and that's where I get bitter because he was starting to do that with the Browns, and then the Browns moved, and he went to the Patriots. But – the Browns were eleven and five yeah. the last full season. Started out six and two, and then they made the announcement yeah. to move. Be that as it may, Brady just—I mean, he even yesterday. Like I know it wasn't the offensive Super Bowl, but they needed the big play. They needed to get that touchdown. He finds Gronk on the biggest play of the game. And I think that the early success in their career together breeds confidence. Oh, and, absolutely. And there, this yeah. is like this is dynasty yeah. part two. If you really want to be, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, they've had, yeah, it is. It's two separate dynasties. They had nine years in the middle where they didn't win any Super Bowls, but they went to two. They went to uh, probably at least two or three other AFC championships. I'd like games. to point out that they're 0-3 against the NFC East in Super Bowls. <laughs> That's true. Did you see the graphic <laughs> good that, point. that every other year for the past, like, six years, him and Saban have traded off? Like, yeah. Every year that... Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it goes back a while. There's like, some gaps like 20, in there, but like yeah. 13 or something that it's like yeah. Saban and then Belichick and Saban. Yeah. But like it's like. And they never really they win. They never win the same year. Interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's. Because one of them has to brag on the fishing boat in the offseason. I will. I would say, though. Uh, yeah. I would. They, they were. They coached together in Cleveland. I keep bringing that up. But Saban was his defensive coordinator. I just. It's funny to think about it because they're both all time greats. But I kind of, <laughs> I think Brady is amazing in the GOAT, but Belichick's right there mm-hmm. for his field. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody else yeah. could, he became the oldest Super Bowl winning head coach yesterday, yeah. which, or Sunday, which I didn't even think he was as old as some of the other ones. It's the hoodie. Something. The hoodie keeps uh, him young. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's or, just, or it's a you know, young wife, either or. Hey. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> she's, Whatever that, makes it she's not as young as Robert Kraft's wife. <laughs> oh, true. So, and he had himself at time. Yeah. But. The Pats win again, and I, you're right. I mean, Brian, I don't know that the Rams ever make it back to this game. There's no guarantee. I mean, this could have been their window. I so. don't know. I think, well, McVay, I know that, I think McVay could. But do you pay golf $40 million, $30 million, no. $30 million no. let's say? No. It's the same formula of signing veteran guys for one-year deals to really get it done. They see this young coach, this young quarterback that has a lot of momentum. They went after it, and they Russell signed a Wilson lot of these the guys Seahawks. defensively. Yeah. It's the first guy on a rookie deal, yeah, quarterback on a rookie deal, that they have money to throw around mm-hmm. for one-year deals. Eagles mm-hmm. did it last year with yep. a lot of the guys. The Eagles, but the Eagles had a veteran quarterback. They didn't play Carson Wentz. Well, let's just say one thing, though. Fair I, enough, I, but like that's the, the formula for roster creation in order to yeah. do this. Uh, that, yeah. I so then you, if you pay the quarterback, you lose that flexibility. Goodbye, Indomitian Sue. See you later, Dante Fowler, who got himself it was a nice rehabilitation start. Probably Cooks and Woods both cannot stay. You start running into exactly. these issues. You pay golf thirty million dollars. A, I don't know. Yeah, A, I don't know if he's worth it. And B, if what McVay do you do with is Gurley? 
he's on that four for 60 deal for his position. I think he's behind Le'Veon Bell for a second most. I think he's he's in a good place. But, I mean, if McVay is an offensive genius, he could probably do more with about the same. Look and what C.J. Anderson two, did. And this there course. is two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks about to hit the market. So With Flacco? And Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. Oh, yeah, so. the whole thing that you told me about earlier. Franchise he tag his freedom basically is how yeah, yeah, but the, the Eagles still have the ability to franchise tag him. They did, and he it, the yeah the, the part that broke today about he they're gonna franchise him. They just want to get something yeah. for him, mm-hmm. which is fine. So you're fine with that? Just on the side, you're fine with it's the one era. Thanks for your service. Thanks for leading me to the greatest yeah. moment of my yeah, life. I'm okay I, with that. I think I I think Wentz is really good. Obviously, I think they rushed him back a little bit last year, but. But Foles in that system, in that system with Doug Peterson, looked amazing. You can argue, you can argue, you know, in a that's, infinite, that's infinite stages of, of, you know, the Brady versus, you know, Brady Belichick, I, Peterson, Foles, like <laughs> with backup quarterback comes in, has the system, they have a rapport together, Veteran and you've never, you've never wavered. You've always been this is Wentz's team. Yeah, it's always Foles been Wentz's team. I think if, if I think if Foles gets it done in the playoffs, that's when we have the, the difficult discussion. But he 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 was our, pedestrian uh, in the playoffs this year. Let's me- be straight up. Our mutual pedestrian in a bottle made last the big year. plays. Made the big of course. Plays. I mean, and he's a gunslinger. He's going to throw it deep. He's got a better deep ball. But I think Wentz is is the has the better upside for the next I'll eight look, years. And and I don't I'll, think Foles will be a successful starter outside of. That's a tough team. one. Do you I, think that yeah. Wentz will ever be 100 percent healthy? Mentally. <laughs> no, that's that's well, part of it too. I mean, that's part of the question. Back and then the this and then that. And the that's concerning. It's certainly concerning, I but I still think healthy. I still think you give him the chance, and and that's that's that. I just our mutual friend Anthony Germain was on here, and he said it. Was, he said going into the Saints game that he felt he felt like it was fifty fifty among Eagle supporters that it was like the Wentz first false debate was getting crazy. There's a lot of instant gratification fans out there, though. What have you done for me lately? And, and you know, the other half that are Foles, the Folesian society are, are okay. I mean, they're correct. I mean, yeah, he, he looked, he's the only quarterback in the franchise history that won the game that they're supposed to I mean, how many you know, Super Bowl MVPs are there? There's only, I mean, because a bunch of guys have won it multiple times, less than 50. He's won a less than 50 to do it, so. Uh, I think that's an interesting one, but my point, my overall point being, there's quarterbacks hitting the market that I feel like if McVay is as good of a coach as he is, can can win with yes with guys with that are comparable. I think that's what he needs, and he should be. I don't be... think he can do it with. Bob. I feel like he can. I just don't think the money is worth it, in my opinion. Now, the other side of it is, what's that market look like? Like, who is there a team out there that's going to throw thirty million at Jared Goff? Like and what would that team look like? Yeah, yeah it would be you know Washington's <laughs> in the market for a quarterback. Who would think that that? Who would be optimistic about that? That's fine. If it, if it came out, Goff signs hundred fifty million dollar deal with the Redskins. Would you rather have Foles, Goff, Flacco, or a healthy John Wall? <laughs> <laughs> to play quarterback. Yeah, yes, to play quarterback, quarterback. or He's Julian Edelman. Foles. Give me Foles all day. Okay, so you want another want former Eagles quarterback that Flacco. is. <laughs> He's doing it. He's got injuries. I don't want golf. He's like a deer in headlights, I feel like. I feel like Flacco's still got some good football left in him. Uh, they like, they re, they pretty much remodeled the entire offense to kind of custom fit yeah. Lamar Jackson. I think there could be some 
Yeah, I, I think he could be a low-level starter, somebody that could give you some games. I think Flacco. We'll give it a shot with somebody in the draft. Until next year and take Tua. Interesting. Well, I wait a year after that and take Trevor Lawrence because he's going to be the number one draft sure, pick. Him too. But that that being well, that's said, the, the the theory of franchise quarterbacks growing on trees. Do you mm-hmm. move on from Wentz and right. find a franchise quarterback? No, it's fa- it's a road, fair discussion but. to have. Uh, all right. Well, before we <laughs> before we ended up on quarterbacks for it's the off season. The Eagles, it already is. Um, rest of the Super Bowl. What did you guys think of the halftime show, Brent? I'll ask you. What did Womp. you think of the halftime show that everybody Womp. seemed to hate across the board? Um, I thought it was fine. I give it like a C. We said we were sitting there and we said it should have been Outcast and Room Five. Charles Scott had no business being there, and they should have brought Andre three thousand back. Did he not want to do it? I have no idea. I think Ludacris also had a, a case to be involved. Yeah. Um, being like, ATL Room friendly. Five and Outcast would have been would have been cool. I mean, they they were in a tough spot with Cardi B. Declining, it would have been at least a synergized you know, performance. That was like kind of stupid. That was like, a, yeah, he's not, he's auto tuned pretty much. Yeah. Like his sound, I didn't not, it's not what you would saying. call auto tune, but he has a specific sound that his studio produced. Half of it was bleeped out. Half of it was bleeped out. I didn't understand a word he was saying, and it was just kind of like the, oh, what he's what you, right but now, you're not so the demographic that there. he's supposed to fulfill. What do you think PETA thought of Big Boy's jacket? Oh, God. <laughs> I have no idea. That was, that was quite an I animal. I could have used a little more outcast. Like, I was, like, ready for outcast. Yeah. And that, like, even just him, was underwhelming for so me. So, look, we know that I'm pretty sure that it's a known, known-ish fact that the NFL basically doesn't even pay these acts. It's just a marketing tool yeah. to get out there, and it's the biggest audience they you'll ever have. All the, they donated $500,000. Yeah. And uh, no one's ever going to be fully happy. I don't know what you could possibly do to get everybody – happy other yeah. than have just Bruce Springsteen play every yeah. year or well, somebody they, like they, that. They, after the, the Janet Jackson debacle, they trotted out a lot of the old rock yeah. acts and, and that was fine. And yeah. then they started going back to pop and, and Lady Gaga was phenomenal. Beyonce was really good. I think that's that's a little Justin bit of the factor of Justin Timberlake, of, of us being spoiled by such yeah. really enigmatic like acts. And this time it was Maroon 5, which is a, you know, I know all their songs. Extremely pop friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're gonna have people that are young that are like these guys are lame. People that are old be like, who are these guys? And then it's the Nickelback factor where win. it's like, oh, they suck. <laughs> Just people saying so they suck because they suck. Yeah. Would you have made it an all Atlanta halftime show, and then it would all been rap and hip hop, and then everyone else would have been like, wait, what? What's mm-hmm. happening? Yeah, that would have exactly. I mean, it like, does. Will there appeal. be a headlining hip hop act in a in a halftime show? Is that something that they'll end up moving to well, eventually? They done oh, you know who was a great. You know who was probably the best halftime show in the last recent memory. Not going as far back to Prince, but even counting Beyonce, I thought Bruno Mars killed it when oh, he yeah. had his. Yeah. yeah, and Katy Perry and was, that, was yeah. just yeah. as good as my well. My mom said that was one of the best concerts ever. Oh yeah, that's what my parents said yeah. too. I want to go so bad. Uh, I think my parents said the same. Everybody <laughs> loves him. He's, he's great with parents. Um, no. Uh, yeah, I, well, that's I think, that's what you're hoping for is is an act that that reaches the demographic you know, from four well, to forty. I found out this the other day. You know why Taylor Swift will never do it? She's Coca Cola. The pep, oh, it's a Pepsi halftime show. I didn't even know that. There's I believe like, there's quite a controversy Janet Jackson there. and Timberlake MTV produced, and that was why they weren't like so. MTV wasn't allowed. I I thought Pepsi yeah. was also. You know what the worst part that, about that? that you know what the sponsored. <laughs> As the worst part about that Justin Timberlake Janet Jackson debacle was that that was in the era that the Pro Bowl was after. So a week later, it's the Pro Bowl. Guess who's supposed to perform his debut single 
uh, JC from NSYNC, oh, and they took him off the bill because of what Timberlake did, oh, and then his career floundered, and Timberlake's amazing, so tough break. He got I mean, his career railroaded because wow. of something he didn't even do. But they canceled the press conference this year. <laughs> that was they the dumbest idea I mean, ever. They're doing even. all these things in this Kaepernick era to try to appease everyone, but it's not working. Well, I, mean, I don't yeah, know I don't, what's going on. It, as far as like the boycotts for whether it was just not having enough representation of hip-hop music right. or, or a boycott for Kaepernick, that's fine. That's everyone's right. But to just try to shame people that want to perform, I don't right. think that's right either. So Put an Atlanta native 21 Savage in there. <laughs> UK native UK, or Atlanta UK native? Slash Atlanta native. That was the craziest so story of the weekend. Oh, Next man. year is Miami. Is that is right? Is it going to be all Latina? Pitbull? Like that's, yeah. like, that's what you have to think about now. Right. You're like, oh, if you want to make it all... If you want to represent the, the city, city that it's hosting. But you couldn't do an all... It's, no, like you, it's, to appeal to, to everybody watching the right. game, especially in this so country... So people are going to be pissed that... You're right, it's the same... It's the same argument. I still would say Pitbull would be your best option. He'll be... He'll, I bet... Tongue-in-cheek as that sounds, I think that would be your best option for my I don't think he's the main act, but I think... He's got plenty of hits, and he's got plenty of people that he works with. That's not a bad call. I mean, what... Yeah, I'd be interested to see. It's not an enviable position, you know. Either way, I think it's Miami next year. I think but it's also what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Cardi B wasn't on our radar, and now she's, Annoying. you know, <laughs> she really, annoyingly she's popular. Annoying. Yeah, she's successful at what she does. I'll always give an artist credit for that, but it doesn't mean that it appeals to us. Well, any other commercials we want to talk about before we wrap yeah, this up? Great. Oh, you know, I saw Jim Brown in there, and I saw Baker and Tom Brady, and I know enough Browns fans that are like, "That was the passing of the torch." Him handing his yeah. rings off to him. Love that. that Peyton's hilarious, and yeah. everything that he does. That movie Did you trailer. See the cold open. It was so funny. Yeah. That was funny. That was a good he's, one. He's he's phenomenal. To think of other ones. There are there are good ones. Any that we didn't like? Any that were just not good? I thought some of them were weird, where I didn't know what the product was, like the one with Jason Bateman on the elevator. I was trying oh, to figure yeah, out what it was yeah, yeah. forever. It took like 15 seconds. There's a lot of these new companies that are trying to make their name. I liked the Stella Artois commercial yeah. as far as being clever. That was the the mainstream one that was maybe the released Robo, before. Robo Child as well. Oh, Robo Child was kind of okay. Yeah. That was an interesting one. People did not like but, that. That was uh, really creepy. Well, the artificial intelligence because robots are going to kill creepy. us. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically why. The fact that he wants to be a CPA though is kind of funny. <laughs> of all the best case, that is best use. case scenario. Let <laughs> all me the tell CPAs you, CPAs are crap out of pants. That would be phenomenal. But yeah, it was. You know, I was also thinking about the fact that if there is an amazing commercial nowadays, we can just watch on YouTube oh, like ten minutes yeah. later. You it know, is. back in the day, it was like, oh, if you miss this commercial, you don't know when it's going to be on again I or how like to it see it. Show a lot of the celebrities who are there. Or I might have missed that. Well, I hit Giselle twice on the prop yeah. bet. That was... Uh, oh, really? Yeah. We should talk about that a little bit. Only because, because they scored and so she <laughs> had a back reaction. Back to back. Yeah, you got... You got they were that only going to do it once, but they scored me, and she freaked out. why doesn't Giselle wear Patriots? Stuff? Somebody on Twitter asked, like, why doesn't Giselle wear... She's got to look nice, obviously. Because, you know, yeah, the model deal. Yeah, and she's got to look nice. I mean, come on. Don't wear the Tom Brady jersey or it something. It was... they're daughters. I hit... I Yeah. That was probably the coolest moment. The her looking at her looking at the... On the, on the bus. No, I didn't see that and one. She was, her and Gronk were on two separate buses, Tom Brady and Gronk. Yeah. And Gronk yelled at her and goes, hey, baby. And she goes, hey, Gronky. And they, like, screamed. <laughs> it was really cute. That's funny. So run through your prop bets. I hit 
I'll tell you that sequence, the Giselle on the Brady to Gronk play, I hit Giselle over in how many times they showed her. I hit Gronk's longest catch of the game, which was 22 and a half yards on that play. I had another bet that was there will not be a one-yard touchdown or less, and Gronk got tackled right at the two, so then Michelle scored, and I was able Wonderful. to hit that. But took James White, first Pats touchdown. It was Sony Michelle, played the underdog, didn't work. And then Brandon Cooks, 28 and a half yards, longest catch. Dropped that one. Oh. Golf missed him on the other one. Could have hit that. I mean, glad they didn't call pass interference. No, I know. Saying, it wouldn't help me either way. Yeah. Did you see the article of the uh, GQ put out of yeah. recapping the Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl that we all deserve? The other Saints, New Orleans did not watch the game. It was unbelievable. There's like a 26% share in New Orleans. In the lowest Super Bowl in 10 years. That was, I mean, they walked the walk. They said they weren't going to yeah. do it, and they actually I didn't watch. It. I would have been, I mean, I, wouldn't I watch tell you either. what, dude. Right? If, if my yeah. team loses that way, I'm boycotting oh, the NFL. Oh, God. Like, well, that's what I, that was my argument because that's ultimately that the Dallas game for oh, this year. My my argument, what I'm going to remember about this year, other than the Pats dynasty being cemented at all time great, is how bad the refs were. Yeah, and it was that Saints play was the culmination of just terrible officiating. It wasn't. It was the worst of it all. Given it was the worst since replacement officials this season, and you had two refs staring right at it. I, I mean, think it's because of the. How many plays got blown dead? It's confusion on the rules. They keep complicating the game. Think about how many missed false starts there were. How many plays that were just delay games. Plays that were just blown dead on runbacks that could have been touchdowns and you couldn't award it. It was was bad. But prop bets I didn't hit. Pat's fourth down, which we mentioned. No onside kick attempts. Really could have used that Rams field goal. And what was it? I hit Brady first quarter completions. Six. It was five and a half. He hit six. It was five and a half. Brady touchdowns on the over, which we both whiffed on completely. Yeah, it would have been nice to, to yeah. throw $10 on, on Brady's first pass uh, attempt oh. to be an interception for a nice little cool 300 Yeah, that was – there was – I mean, we – oh, and the other one that I almost hit that would have been a huge payoff, 6-1, to one, was tied at halftime. Oh, but yeah. the Rams, you know, sputtered out, couldn't even get a field would it goal. Would have been 3-3? Yeah, I yeah. think – well, that's how much I paid attention wait, in the first half. Yeah. yeah, they had you know they didn't really do anything, but that was another one. Some prop bets are fun though. I went on uh, Rams over fourteen, even though it was even money. I just decided you know if they're gonna yeah. do something, they're gonna you know, and they, if they would have scored that touchdown, they would have had to, to do oh, something else. I hit. I the worst was I thought it was a lock. Was both teams first half touchdowns was like minus two twenty. Like all right, I'll throw like thirty bucks on it. They didn't even, nobody scored a touchdown. Is it going to make you two questions? Yeah. One, is it going to make you second guess for next year's Super Bowl what you're doing? No, because it's just a fun thing. Because, like I said, like I, I spread it out 10 to 20 max on maybe 30 on that one, but just spreading it out yeah. just to kind of have some fun. I parlayed Pat's win by the spread and the over, so mm-hmm. I lost it in there. But the biggest controversy was the national anthem because Gladys Knight said brave twice and some sites are like it stops when you finish brave the first time oh, so she said yeah. and the home of the brave brave oh, she like, liked it yeah. so what brave did it was it under i heard both, a lot of these th- it was it was clearly over if both braves it, over was the huge play it was like minus 220 or something and i guess that first i didn't bet on it but the first second brave is like right at the gun like photo finish so i heard some yeah. sides some sites even paid off both because there was too much controversy on that same with the age gap thing with Brady and, and Goff. They didn't they didn't explicitly say it, but they said this is them 17 years ago. This is Tom Brady was in kindergarten or Goff was in kindergarten when Brady was winning his first Super Bowl. 
And they said no, but it's like what was the? Th- well, they mentioned the age gap. Oh, oh well, that's they a tough the one. And they Got didn't give it, it to him. Oh, okay. Unbelievable. Right? That's them mentioning the age gap. Right? Like, I think so. (laughs) They're not saying it. They didn't say it. They're talking about McVeigh and Belichick. They're talking about, you know. Going back to New Orleans for a second, did you see Michael Thomas's tweet about um, he hopes that the Rams score more than three points in their new stadium? That's funny. They they're bitter Paul about Pierce it, and I know. get it. I'd be bitter too. Um, Paul Pierce, being from Inglewood but playing most of his career in Boston, on the jump that uh, yesterday said um, he's a Patriots fan until they move to Inglewood, and then he'll be a Rams yeah. fan. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> playing both uh, sides a little bit there. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean it was. Uh, I just the officiating's got to get better. I think we can all agree with that. Last thing, what did you guys think of the Hall of Fame class that got inducted? Any strong takes one way or the other? It's, we're starting I love to Tony see people. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that yeah. Brian Dawkins got in before. Uh-huh. I'm glad Brian Dawkins got in before Ed Reed, and Ed Reed certainly deserves it. But if Brian Dawkins was going to get in, it would have it would had to be last year. It wasn't going to beat Ed Reed. Might be the greatest ever. Exactly. Well, that's that's why like Dawkins kind of paves the way for for tough Ed for Reed safeties to get in. It and it is that's because I think I think Atwater and Lynch are both going to eventually get in. Uh, they were, I mean, it's just tough to get past that. But I thought, obviously, Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Relocks. Champ Bailey. I'm excited. You know how good Champ is, yeah. I'm excited. Um, who, Roy Halladay. Oh, wait, wrong, <laughs> wrong hall. Sorry. Um, Kevin Mawai, good for him. Yes, happy happy with that. I, all the names I didn't have a, a Ty Wall was with. like, he's – Ty Wall was great, but – Maybe another Ravens blowout. I mean, Gil Brandt, I don't know. He was, a, I mean, cowboy architect. I think the coaches, though, uh, those are the ones that I think got to get in next. Tom Flores and Don Croyal for being pioneers of the game. Yeah. They've been waiting a little bit. So I want to see those guys get in next. Pat Bowen, I know he's struggling with his health right now, mm-hmm. but good to see him get in. Next year, I think it's. Uh, I was looking oh, I at the. It up. Reggie Wayne's one of them. I don't know if he's a first ballot one. You said there were several first, first ballot Hall of Famers. This is the like first time. This is the first time, like back to back, three time first ballot put Hall Ed, of Famers are in. Put Edger and James in next year. Isaac Bruce. That they're turning out. I feel like Isaac Bruce should get in. Product of <laughs> the system. Who's it next year? I think Reggie. I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't feel strongly about it either way for a lot remember, of these guys. I read an article on it, and I I think if you have to the think. The year after next is Peyton Manning. Oh well, <laughs> no brain. Twenty twenty one is Peyton Manning. I know that for a fact, but I can't remember. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up because I know Wayne's on there and he's borderline. Uh, but Palomalu. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, this will be a breakdown next year. Okay. So I think Paul Mal is the best player. So it is. It is does taper off a little mm-hmm. bit. That's borderline. That's another that's safety. Another safety. Yeah. yeah. But he deserves it. Those were the those are three players that define the position at that generation. Yeah. What about uh, different ways. Jimmy Johnson gonna get in? Uh, I feel like he should get a run. And my, and my guy Clay Matthews, the dad of this Clay Matthews and Casey Matthews. Yeah, <laughs> and Casey Matthews. <laughs> No, not this one. All we heard about when he was on the Eagles was the bloodline. How, how Casey Matthews is going to be really good because of the bloodlines. Bloodline. Yeah, that didn't happen. No, not quite. Not all of them. Not every bloodline works out. Of course. All right. Can we, can we do really, really, really super early predictions for next year? I feel like I should just keep picking the Saints. I picked them last year, or I picked them this year, and it didn't work out. But yeah. I feel vindicated. Do the Berman yeah, Eagles like Patriots gonna, every like, year? Tour yeah. now. I'm just gonna like. They should. Um, I mean, it's hard to pick against the Chiefs, huh? 
Mm. Chiefs Saints. It's easy to so pick we get against that. the Chiefs if you get any reason to pick game. All right, if I can't pick the. Uh, I want to say the Browns, but I'm not quite ready yet. So <laughs> I'll say, all right, I'll say Saints Colts. Chargers Saints. Saints Colts. Colts. Chargers. Chargers is good, but I got it. Like, as like long Colts. as they don't play the Patriots, because <laughs> they cannot. With all those Phil Rivers, because Phil Rivers cannot beat the Patriots. Eagles. Eagles, huh? Well, that's good to Are the Patriots going back? I'm not. I even mean, they probably Redskins. will. Like, they probably play. will. Will the Redskins be above 500? Next year? No. I don't even know who's playing. No. Well, could you play our quarterback position? Colt McCoy's Colt hurt. McCoy, baby. Draft uh, Kyler Murray. Draft Kyler Murray. Convince him to play. But with your luck, he'll and play baseball. Least, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll the first round pick. You want an Alabama quarterback in, in Washington? Yeah, it's been a rough an Alabama quarterback. I got Jonathan Allen and Payne. Didn't exactly perform his best in the biggest game, though. It might be a little concerning. No. We'll see. Now he doesn't have the... Uh, Jalen hurts behind him. That's true. That talk, so. Well, all right. This was fun. Appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks for joining the show. All right. Huge thanks to both Brenna Haven and Tom Weisenbach for coming on the show and talking some NFL football. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss these next six months without it. So this is uh, not quite the dark days of, uh, of uh, sports of summer yet, but you know, we're going to miss football. It was, a, it was a, whoa, whoa, a crazy journey to get to this point, but Patriots win again. Some things just remain the same. All right, Brandon Marcus now is coming on the show to talk about the NBA trade deadline. There's been a lot of action already. It's uh, It's been exciting. Uh, he's a Clipper fan, too. He hosts the Mostly Banner podcast. Make sure you guys check that out, but he's a Clipper fan. Lots of thoughts on the Tobias Harris trade. I loved it. We get into that. Anthony Davis, and uh, what's on tap is we actually ultimately prepare for the NBA free agency class of 2019. Here's Brandon Marcus now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, back again to talk NBA trade deadline. Friend of mine, host of the Mostly Banner podcast, Brandon Marcus. Brandon, thanks for joining the show. And yes, it is that time again. Do the Clippers get Kevin Durant yet? I mean, has it happened? Do the Clippers get Kawhi Leonard? I'm waiting. I'm re- I'm waiting, Mitch. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm you are a Clippers fan, one of the only ones that I know. You've been loyal throughout, and I have to say, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of drama. Anthony Davis is at the center of it. Porzingis is on the Mavericks. What the Knicks are gonna do? I have trouble sleeping a lot of nights. I was I was up when the Clippers and the Sixers made that trade. I love that trade for the Clippers. Absolutely love it. I think it was a genius haul for Jerry West, for Winger, for Frank. Whoever made that move, I think it was just genius to get what they got out of an expiring contract in Tobias Harris. So I have to give you props for that one. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, You went into this season knowing that if you finished in the playoff picture, you lost your first-round pick. And so I was kind of hoping the Clippers would tank, and then they decided not to. And it was kind of fun when they were sitting at the top of the Western Conference for a bit, but you knew it wasn't going to last. Um, you did think that they were going to be good enough to stay in the playoff picture, though. But the the fact that they decide to move Tobias Harris uh, signals a couple things. First of all, that they would like to keep their pick and that they know they're not going to win this year. And another thing is they think that they're going to be a major player next year because if they didn't think that, during that they weren't going to be a player during the summer, rather, then they wouldn't have done this and they probably would have kept Tobias Harris but then you would have gone into the whole issue with Blake Griffin where you keep a guy just because you have to and he's on your roster even though you don't want to give him that contract. And 
Tobias Harris probably would have gotten a max contract and that would have handicapped you. But instead, they get rid of him and they get some assets that will help out with trades in the future if they need them or if they want to draft guys in the future. I mean, that Miami pick could end up yeah. being a top 10 pick. For, and it might be the first year that guys go straight from high school to the NBA. Yeah, so it's, it, could be, it, it could be the double draft. Yes, exactly. It could be a coveted asset. And, um, yeah, that's, it's a big deal. And this kid, Shamit or Shamet, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, uh, supposedly he's a pretty good shooter. Tom Weisenbach, who's a friend of the podcast, has told me that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I, I like this deal. I'll be curious to see if there's more to come with guys like Patrick Beverly, maybe Lou Williams, and other uh, guys who are a little bit older on that team. Yeah, I mean, you said most of it there. I think the the draft picks are huge because it gives them that flexibility. I mean, you got two first-round picks. you got mm-hmm. Shamit, and you've got another player uh, in Wilson Chandler that can contribute right now. You probably take a step back in the short term, but you have the luxury of missing the playoffs and still keeping your draft pick. I look at it this way, too. You created those two max slots. Now you have the flexibility of do we make a trade, make a push for a guy like Davis? Is he really serious about the Clippers, or was that for show? Not just him, but for other players. They can sacrifice those picks as part of a haul to get somebody through a trade, or they can just ride it out and draft smart. So I think there's a lot to like from what the Clippers did. But this has Jerry West written all over it. I know it, it, we don't know exactly who made the deal, but this is right out of his playbook, really showing magic how it's done. Yeah, for sure. You're definitely seeing the difference between these two organizations right now and how one is well run and the other one's not. I mean, one is leaking stuff to the media, trying to get one side to blink, and the other one is making a trade in the middle of the night with nobody knowing. I mean, that kind of shows you what's going on. And give credit to Lawrence Frank as well. Ever since they made that decision to move him from the bench up to the front office, he's been really good as president of that team. And between him and Balmer and Jerry West, and everybody else up there, they're doing a really good job. And I've never felt more confident in a front office for a team that I enjoy and root for than the current front office for the Los Angeles Clippers, which is crazy to say. And I probably would have never said um, about six, seven years ago. As I read, is Jerry West the greatest thing that happened in the Clippers just these last two years and the last 30 years? Maybe. Uh, Steve Ballmer is. I think Ballmer is, honestly, because there, there is no Jerry West without Steve Ballmer. Right. I think he, too, I think West just likes the challenge, right? Like, he, he does well with the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, and he just, you know, he could ride it out in any of those franchises at that time, but, you know, he, he just likes the, likes the challenge. Comes yeah. to the Clippers, likes to build something from scratch. That 2021 draft is going to be loaded, too. I'm really shocked the Sixers gave that up. And, and on the topic of the Sixers, I know that they're all in. I know that they're trying to make their move now, and the process is dead. I'm not really crazy about this trade. It just strikes me as... A little much for Tobias Harris, who is is also a free agent. There's no lock they're going to keep him. they got to pay a lot of players coming up. I just also don't know how he fits in, Brandon, on that Sixers team. He's a stretch four, but the Sixers sacrificed all their depth to get a guy that was very good in a good situation. I don't know if this is the right situation for him to, to get those career best numbers and continue them on in Philly, where he now is the fourth option and no longer a number one or even a number two. I'm not quite sure about that. I don't think that they lost a lot of depth because they got rid of a couple of guys, obviously. They got rid of Shamant. They got rid of Wilson Chandler. And they got rid of, I believe, Mike Muscala, too. Uh, Mike Scott is a pretty good player. He was solid for the Clippers off the bench, can shoot the three, um, works hard. And obviously, Tobias Harris is an enormous upgrade over Wilson Chandler. Um, Wilson Chandler was good when he was in the Nuggets. He's not the same player now. Tobias Harris is damn near... 50, 40, 
or 50, yeah, 50, 40, 50, 45, and 90 from the line. I mean, he's been tremendous from three. He shoots the ball well. He can spread the floor. He can attack the rim. He can shoot the jumper. He's such a good player, and you can switch him on that three or the four. You can even put him on two if you need to. Um, I think the one thing about this deal is that it gives Philly a lot of versatility. I mean, they can go and they can play two or three of these guys at a time and keep these guys fresh. I mean, you could have Simmons and Embiid sitting out and leave Butler and Tobias on the floor, and you'll be okay. And you can match any of those two or three guys and be good for the entire game. And I think you need to make that deal because you weren't going to beat the Warriors without it. And now a starting five of Simmons, Redick, Butler, Tobias Harris, and Embiid, that's really nasty, at least personnel-wise. We'll Hmm. be, be up to Brett Brown to figure out how the pieces work. That's why the head coach gets paid because they got to figure out now how this is going to work. And you got to assume also that Philly is going to be a contender um, at the buyout season to be mm-hmm. a I mean, they're going to end up getting one or two guys. They did last year, um, and they will again. They got a couple of the shooters last year, and I think they'll do the same exact thing this year. Well, I hear what you're saying, but they're not beating the Warriors with or without him so, this year. So I just, I just want to put that mm-hmm. out there as well. Probably not. Probably not, for sure. But nonetheless, they still have a really good team. I mean, Embiid is going to be tough for the Warriors to stop. Yeah. And – just some versatility. They have guys that play defense. Jimmy Butler will be up to the task of going against Durant. So at least it'll be fun to watch, and it should be competitive, but we'll see. If they get out of the East, because even with this trade, there's no guarantees. I mean, it's still there's still some, some tough teams. Toronto looks tough. I'm not right. counting Boston out. And Milwaukee, I mean, I think as we're doing this, they just put up a 50-point f- first quarter. So we'll see what they do. I just have to see how it fits, honestly. I have to see Harris in that offense and – Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler, as good as he is, we know there's been some drama with him, so let's see how this team adjusts. The other thing, too, is the injury, and especially, you know, as you know as well as anyone, J.J. Redick is one of the best shooters in the league still. He's been banged yeah. up. So if he's not healthy, I think that changes this team's complexion a little bit, too. I get why they did it, but this is a win-now aggressive move, and I'm just not entirely sold, especially with that 2021 pick that is such an asset, but... It's aggressive. I like it. We're off and running in trade season. Really, Brandon, what got us started was that Knicks and Mavericks trade. Porzingis is out for the rest of this year, but they're looking great in Dallas pairing up Doncic and Porzingis. It's pretty incredible before we get to why the Knicks made that move and, and the dynamics of the trade. If you would have looked back at about a year ago or right before the draft where the last year where the Mavericks were picking fifth, they end up with Doncic and Porzingis in less than six months. Pretty ridiculous. Yeah, they did well for themselves. And uh, by the way, one thing about Tobias Harris is that Philly does own his bird rights. So they can go ahead and they can sign him for more than 15 mil. Let's say their cap is 15 mil. They can sign him for 30 or 35 mil and they can go over and that's fine. Um, But with the Dallas thing, the interesting part about it is that, first of all, Dallas should never got Doncic because obviously they traded with Atlanta. Atlanta got Trey Young. Um, And if you look at a team like Phoenix that went for Aiton and then Sacramento went for Bagley, I mean, Doncic should have been one or two, and he didn't end up going one or two. Instead, Dallas goes from five to three to get him, and then they end up trading for Porzingis, and you wonder how that even happened because if you look before the season, you would have said they probably don't have the assets to go after a guy like Porzingis. Porzingis is the future of New York, and then all of a sudden the Knicks become the Knicks. And I like the deal for Dallas, obviously. I think that's a nice way to – replace Dirk is to bring in a guy like Porzingis and you assume he'll be okay after ACL surgery and they'll take it easy on him. I like the fact that he's not coming back this year. There really is no need to play him this year. Um, and Doncic is awesome. I mean, that's a nice foundation. 
And now you hope that you can draft well and get free agents and hope that things work out. But the Western Conference is nasty, man. I mean, you have the Clippers that we just talked about. You have the Lakers with LeBron. You have Golden State. You have Houston with Chris Paul and James Harden. I mean, you have OKC. You have Denver. It's a tough conference. Yeah, Dallas going big on all those Europeans, too. Uh, And I just want to point out, for for the record, I don't think I was completely wrong in still being a huge fan of Marvin Bagley. I know Doncic no, he's is good. Like he's good. Yeah, and yeah. Bagley is going to bloom. I still believe, but I mean, Doncic is the best right now. It's, it's hands down. But I, th- I think there's still hope for Bagley to be a perennial All Star with how he's looked, given that some time. But back to this trade. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. easy to think why they did it. They want to move on. They don't want to be stuck in the draft. They they have a chance to pair two young stars. There's no reason to think that Porzingis isn't going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. The Knicks, on the other hand. I'm not going to say they went full New York Knicks, Knicks in this trade. I understand the thought process, but you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to land big names, not just one big name, but two big names in free agency. I'll say that. If they don't end up with two superstars, and I don't know what the probability we put on that, but they have to end up with two superstars for me to think this was a good idea. And one of those superstars could be the 14% chance or whatever it is to land Zion Williamson. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. If they... He's really the only guy that if, he, if they win the draft that, and get the if they get the lottery pick, if they end up two or three. I still wouldn't put it as a huge success. Yeah, the the thing is, is that there's so many teams that have these max spots, and they're all trying to go for the same players. Not that many players, yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the Clippers are. If the Clippers want to get two guys, most likely the Knicks are not going to get the same two guys that they want. I mean, it's just it's going to be an arms race and a battle it, during the summer. I think this will be one of the best off seasons we've had. In a long time, because there are guys like Chris Middleton that are very good basketball players and that are going to end up getting a lot of money from teams that miss out on guys like Kawhi and KD and Kyrie if he decides to stay or decides to try the market. It's you can't get everybody. And the Knicks did what they had to do. I think the deal makes a lot of sense for New York. I'm one of those few people that does think it makes sense for them. I don't trust them. But I think it makes sense for them because they currently were not going anywhere. Fizdale's a very good coach, and he currently has very little to work with. And in this case, I mean, you have Porzingis and what? I mean, it's they're they're hoping now that they can get a couple of established guys. You already had one in Porzingis, but you're hoping you can get a guy or get somebody that's in the next level and not just that guy, Porzingis. If he also really wanted out, and we don't know what happened behind closed doors, but if he gave the right. indication that he wanted out, I understand that from a business standpoint. I really do. Yeah, he wasn't at the exit meeting last year. Remember that? Yeah, the, the, there clearly was a, a really bad thing in the air where those two parties did not get along, Porzingis and the Knicks. It just seemed like things were not going well for both of them, and they needed to separate. And it came and went quickly in terms of the deal – and good job for Mark Cuban for pouncing. Um, I do worry that the Knicks settled and didn't That's get fair. the best, best possible offer. I think that if they would have said Porzingis is on the market, um, you have two weeks to give us your best offer. They could have gotten more. But but apart from that, I think it was decent for both sides. That's definitely fair. Let's still chat with Brandon Marcus on the Money Mitch effect. Uh, I do want to mention one thing. We talk about these max slots and – it's kind of a segue into an unfortunate, the most unfortunate story so far, the John Wall injury, mm. the Achilles rupture at home. Really weird and bizarre how that happened. Uh, we don't even really know the details, but he's going to be out for 12 full months. 
And you look at what they're owing him, like over $40 million for two full seasons coming up. If you sign one of these guys to a max contract and this happens, you're pretty much screwed at that point. Yeah. I mean, like there's no there's no sugarcoating it. The Wizards have no chance. They're eating so much money. And that's the risk you have with I don't want to, you know, talk down about a guy like Chris Middleton. He's a very good player, but he's going to get more money than he probably otherwise would because of the market. There's going to be teams desperate that miss out. I mean, you're tying up a lot. And Chris Paul's making 40 million in Houston and they can't get him on the floor consistently. I mean, that's that's part of it. If any injury happens and you have this max slot in the NBA, you're pretty out of luck. Yeah, in that regard, you go back a couple of years on the Clippers side. They knew that Chris Paul couldn't stay on the floor, and so they were fine with him leaving, mm-hmm. and they were able to get guys like Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, draft picks. I mean, they, they got players, and the same thing happened with Game Rid of Blake Griffin. They got Tobias Harris. They got Boban. They got a pick that turned out to be Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I mean, they, they got players, and in this, in this area, you, you have to know what you're doing. And it, with Washington, they're going to pay $42 million dollars to John Wall he's not going to play a single game next year and I think all they're getting in return for the injury exception is going to be a mid-level spot and and that's not going to do you any good I mean you're now going to have to go ahead and re-sign Sadoransky and hope that Sadoransky can be that guy because I'm assuming you're not going to pay more than what you should for an actual point guard so Sadoransky probably will be the guy next year and you're going to go ahead and just tank because what else are you going to do try and compete with just Bradley Beal I mean, you have Thomas Bryant, who's fine, and Sadoransky, who's fine. You just traded away Otto Porter. I mean, what are you going to do? I like that Otto Porter trade, though. I I think that was a smart one for the Wizards because they're not going to compete. I mean, I think think they're not doing anything with Portis is nothing special. And I think think Jabari Parker's contract, I don't know how many years he has left, but that was – I think getting Porter off the books, who I also think was a little overpaid, not can't really shoot that well. I think that's part of the issue there. I think what they're going to do, honestly, Beal is a fascinating one because I think they're going to give it a shot, probably with some like a lineup, a roster built with a butt, with some scotch tape, and see how the year starts next year. But I think he's very much going to be available. I really do. Yeah, he's got a good contract now. I mean, he's a really good player. He's been phenomenal. Since I mean, he was thirty million a year when that was outrageous, now there's guys making ten million more than him who aren't nearly the players. So it's funny how yeah. the cap keeps going up. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. There are guys that are getting paid a lot of money that shouldn't be paid a lot of money, and then you get screwed with contracts. I mean, the Luol Deng contract oh, is horrendous, and there are guys that are just spending just because. And I think that's the one thing you have to watch this off season is you have to watch teams like the Clippers and Knicks that are creating these spots. And if they don't land who they want, watch to see how much money they spend because they'll be smart if they don't spend that money just to spend and they save it and hope that they can end up acquiring somebody during the season a la trade or wait till the next offseason. Also want to point out Kemba is going to get paid a lot too. He's going to be that consolation prize for one of these teams we mentioned. You just know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, he's a gamer and he's somebody that I think can fit in, in in a lot of systems. So not Kyrie level, but pretty close to that next tier. Uh, all right. The Anthony Davis stuff. I want to get your opinion on that because the Lakers are doing a great job teaching us how not to complete a trade for a prize superstar. Yeah. But my biggest thing, and I had a lot of issues with what went down, but what, let's start from the Davis side of things before we get into the bigger picture Brandon I don't understand the move to demand a trade and and make this play now 
with two years, essentially a year and a half left on your contract. Yeah. My question to you is what leverage did he think he had? And I just don't understand if you have any understanding why he would play this hand so early. It pisses me off, actually. It really does, because you signed a contract. I understand that players don't get to choose where they play when they're drafted. I understand that. But you also are in the middle of your contract. You don't have two months left. You have over a year left in your contract. You have the end of this season plus next season. Go ahead and play this season out and then say something during the deadline next year or even if you want to go earlier during the offseason that's coming up. You don't I, want to I, compete is what it sounds like to me because I don't, I don't like understand it, it at all. And, and the weird thing is it came out while he was hurt. Like you, everything around you is that you have been hurt every single year and you can't stay healthy. He stayed healthy last year, but then this year he's got this finger thing. Apparently now he's healthy and he's ready to play, but the Pelicans aren't playing him. Like it, it was the writing was on the wall the second that he signed with Rich Paul and Clutch. I mean that that was the most obvious thing. It should be collusion. They should, they should Adam Silver. I mean uh, I was about to go. Yeah, Adam Silver yeah, should look do it. it right away and see what the hell happened. Because you have to look now and see perhaps if Kleiman, Durant's agent, is going to go in the Knicks front office. <laughs> I mean, these guys are just running rampant over the NBA, these G- these agents, and they're taking control. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. The second that he signed with Clutch, you knew the Lakers were going to be in play. And you just go ahead and put him on the Lakers. So, yeah, this is very college-like. This reminds me of the sleazy college Agents yep. talking to kids early. Um, lots to unpack here. First being, do we understand why the Pelicans are as bad as they are this year? Like, even when Boogie went down, they added Randall. I, I don't understand why he's just punting on this season and next. With, as you said, he signed his contract. And you know what? A guy like LeBron James, I'll use him as an example because it fits in this situation. He signed a lot of short-term deals because he wanted to keep his options open. Davis decided to take that big deal for a lot of money, for a lot of gu- guaranteed years, to secure his financial security. That's his right. He did it. Now you're under contract. You have a job to do. I don't understand this move at all. You could get to the summer, talk behind closed doors, and say, I'm not really happy here. Give a team a year, a year's notice to really make this deal and make something work. But it, the fix was in, and that's the, that's the issue that I have with this, Brandon. Nine agents I read represent a quarter of the league, nine of them. And a lot of them, are, there's a lot of conflicts of interest. LeBron is a partner with an agency. He's a business partner of an agency that represents other players. So it's easy to think that they can just pick behind closed doors and say, all right, you demand a trade. We'll get you over to the Lakers, yada, yada, yada. I just, I have a problem with this whole structure. And yes, it's collusion. Because you know what? He's going to have to back up his short-term list then. If he's really serious that he would sign an extension, I know Boston wasn't on that list. The Clippers were Milwaukee. I think Toronto was the other team. All right, let's see it. Because now the Clippers do have enough ammo to outbid the Lakers package with those draft picks. So that's yeah. why I think he's full of it. I don't think he ever meant that at all. I think it was just a power play to, to show, for show that he would be open to other things when it was just BS. I'm, I'm with you. I think this just sucks. I think he, he wants to be a Laker. It'll eventually happen. But I'm all for the Hornets. I just call them the Hornets. The Pelicans standing their ground and saying enough. Me too. And here's the issue. is There's a couple different things that we to un, unwrap with this one. Um, first of all, the Lakers are giving the Pelicans basically the team that won 35 games last year. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. Who is Magic negotiating against? Like, the Pelicans, why would they do that? I mean, I understand that Kuzma has a lot of potential, 
and Lonzo Ball has potential. I understand that these guys have potential, but since when have they shown any indication that they're going to be stars? They haven't. And these draft picks, I understand draft picks are draft picks and they're coveted. But those draft picks, if LeBron and AD stay healthy, which is obviously a big ish, if yeah. with LeBron and his age and Anthony Davis and his health, then those picks are going to be worthless. They're going to be at the end of the first round and you're going to have to get really lucky with who you pick. So you're basically becoming the Lakers from last year. And with Ray, Julius Randle's already there. So you're adding Julius Randle, who's already there. I mean, I just don't understand it. And from the Lakers side, you get Anthony Davis and LeBron. Because if you have the option to get Davis, you have to do it. But who's going to play point guard for that team? And yeah. who's going to be the shooting guard? <laughs> I, I mean, you're going to hope you're going to get buyout season. Yeah, and It's those two in every buyout. And that's he, here's, here's the issue. Here's the issue. And you know all about it is that when LeBron goes to a team and he says, I know I have to have patience, especially this year. He knew he had to have patience with this young Lakers team. It's BS. He can't have patience. He, he needs to win. The guy absolutely needs to win. I mean, it's the same reason why they went and traded this guy, Svee, who's a tremendous player during the summer league, and added a pick on top of that to <laughs> trade him away and get Reggie Bullock who's going to end up being a free agent next year. I mean, I just, come on. Yeah, and, and that's getting into the whole agency thing. There's conflicting interest among clients. Yeah, mm-hmm. LeBron is 34. He's an all-time great player, but the window's not going to last forever. His 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 idea of what he needs to do right now is win now in his mind. Okay, but if you're Anthony Davis and you have fair representation, you're 20, what, 25 years old? There's no rush to, to get out of New Orleans. You could play out your contract and still be approaching your physical prime. And and what we saw when Carmelo got traded to the Knicks, they gave away all those assets because he wanted to get there as soon as possible and basically force his way onto that team. I, I just I don't I don't understand this. I know now that the Clippers have the picks. We keep talking about other offers. Now Boston maybe. If they say in the offseason, I know Davis said and his dad said, which is always a great idea when the parents get involved. Yeah, that's play lovely. Boston, just lovely. But if, if Ainge makes Tatum available, I think the Pelicans have to listen. So that's why I don't think they're in a rush. They got him for another year. They don't have to pull the trigger on all these spare parts from the Lakers. Absolutely. And here's the other side of that one, is that if Ainge is saying to Dell Demps right now, hey, just wait, like, well, we'll put Jason Tatum on the table. I mean, so much can happen between now and then. Davis can get hurt. Tatum can get hurt. The Celtics can go and win the NBA Finals. Or they could lose in the first round, and then Kyrie decides to leave. So much can happen Kyrie between now and then. Davis could have a chat over the summer and be like, let's play together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Kyrie could leave. Davis could leave. They could end up both playing for the Clippers. I mean, you really have no idea what's going to happen. So for the Lakers, I understand it. And you have to give your best offer right now because you don't want to wait. Because if you allow them to take this to the offseason, then you allow a lot of other teams to get involved. Because then you can have draft picks, get involved. You know where people are picking. You know who's going to be a free agent. You know everything. And obviously Boston gets involved big time. So it's crazy. And you think, you would think that New Orleans might engage the Lakers but I don't know. I, I mean, the Clippers just got four draft picks in a trade for Tobias Harris, and the Clip and the Lakers supposedly are only giving two in this deal. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't see it getting done. I, I really think the Pelicans do stand still, and they just let this go down. And what's going to be weird is, is we're going to see does Anthony Davis play again this season? Mm. Do, does he play after the deadline? Because you would think the Pelicans would want fans to come in and watch him play. But then you run the risk of him getting hurt. 
Yeah, props to the New Orleans editing team for taking him out of all those videos. That was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I will say as well that where Magic really botched this was he let it get out every, you know, the initial offer should not have been by the Lakers. The Lakers should have called him and like, what would it take? Give us what you think it would take right now. And then that would have been like, all right, that's crazy. We'll talk again in the summer. But how do you think you'd feel if you were in that locker room, if you were Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, any of these guys? You, you have, feel so no, bad. You, you feel so no, bad. You lose by forty plus to the Pacers. They have no confidence right now. I'll admit the chants were funny. Bron's going to trade you, and you're not worth trading. We're funny chants by the Indiana crowd. Very smart, very ruthless fans. But that team has no confidence, and it's easy to see why because everybody outside of LeBron's in the trade rumors. Yeah, it's messy. Uh, I think I don't think the trade will happen. I think if you're if you're running a business like the basketball teams are, New Orleans has to wait to the offseason and see what's out there because there's going to be some opportunities from some other teams. So hey, Davis signed a contract. I don't feel bad for him at all. You're you're under contract. You signed it. You didn't get drafted for this second go round. So we'll see. Uh, what happens. But, uh, Brandon, there was a few other things I wanted to talk about. And we mentioned Kyrie. I just want to also say this as well. I feel like he's kind of a child, like just a little immature, doesn't really think things through. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's kind of a little different. But, you know, th- why would he even say that he's coming back originally at that season ticket holders thing? I don't know what he's going to do. He might leave Boston, but I feel like you can't really take him at his word because he doesn't have any clue what he's going to do in three, four, five months. And it's weird because obviously I follow Bill Simmons on Twitter and I listen to his podcast and he just is really upset with how Kyrie is handling this whole leader thing and saying he's doing the exact opposite of what a leader is. And I agree. I mean, stop talking to the media. Just stop saying the things that you're saying. And I mean, you said in the beginning of the year that if Boston will have you, you're coming back. And now you're saying that you're going to wait until after the season and you don't owe Boston anything Dude, just shut up and go play basketball and go win a title. I mean, you have one of the best coaches in the NBA. You have a tremendously talented roster. I mean, there's no reason to even deal with it. Deal with any of this. Just say, I'm enjoying where I am right now. My goal is to win a title. And end it right there. No other words need to be said. You're allowed to stay quiet. <laughs> That's what I think the moral of today's show is. You are allowed to stay quiet and figure things out yeah. on your own. But I just don't think he can help himself. I don't even think this is ill-willed at all. I think he just cannot get out of his own way with some of these comments. Uh, it is what it is uh, in the time being. But uh, otherwise, I think there was a few other minor trades. I'm actually curious. You know, one of the trades, I know you're a big fantasy hoops guy. Do you think mm-hmm. the Stanley Johnson Thon Maker trade will help hurt either? It'll be nice to see them both get a fresh start because Thon Maker wasn't really getting minutes in Milwaukee. Stanley Johnson will get a chance to play for a contender in Milwaukee. Um, he was not doing much in Detroit. I mean, there was a lot of hype around him when he came out of Arizona. So I think it'll be a nice, fresh change of scenery thing. In fantasy, neither guys are neither guys relevant, but it'll be nice to see both guys and see how they adapt to their new roles. And you would assume that Thon Maker will get a chance to play for Dwayne Casey because he'll be the primary backup um, to Andre Drummond. But I don't know. I, I, it'll be fun to watch just the two of them actually get a new, cha- a new uh, fresh look at things because both are talented, but things weren't working out where they were. Yeah, I, I think Thon Maker especially came in with a lot of hype. Wasn't working out, voiced his displeasure. Stanley Johnson, very athletic. Maybe he can fit in and uh, when he gets his chance, take take advantage of it. That The most recent deal, that three-team trade, Cleveland, Sacramento, and Houston, I'm trying to understand exactly why that was necessary. Maybe the mm-hmm. Rockets really wanted Shumpert for defensive purposes, but I, I don't, I mean... 
this is a lot of spare parts being rotated around the league, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a weird trade. I mean, it really is. It's a three-way deal between Cleveland, Houston, and Sacramento. I mean, it's Cleveland's sending Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin to the Rockets. I mean, uh, I, Cleveland's all sending Alec Burks to the Kings. And the Rockets are sending Knight, Chris, and a protected first to the Cavs. I mean, that's a lot of bench fodder. I, I don't understand who wanted to do that deal and why, but they did. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always trades like this. Well, Brandon, do you think there will be any more trades before yes. tomorrow's deadline? And who do you, okay, yeah. who do you think the biggest names will be? Because I've got my eye on a pair of teammates. Marcus Alphonse. Yep, those are the two. And do you think they both get dealt? Yeah, I, I don't think you can deal one without dealing the other. It just doesn't make sense. I got I a mean, dream scenario for you. That's okay. Conley in San Antonio. If Popovich can get Conley. Why? Oh, in San Antonio. First against San Sacramento. No, sorry, in, yeah. San Antonio. That's I a mean, borderline conference final run, I would think. Maybe. Maybe. Win a series. But, um, you know, I, I think he's a great player in a new system. We'll see. I mean, both these guys have never played for any other team. Gasol, I have a feeling, just a hunch on, on my end, I feel like he, they might be looking east to deal him. I think it ends up working out with Charlotte. I, I yeah. think that I think they will end up making it work. I know initially it was supposed to happen, then it wasn't supposed to happen. It just makes way too much sense for Charlotte to go after Gasol right now. Um, the Malik Monk has not been that good for them. I mean, no. go ahead. I mean, trade Monk, get Gasol. You need a center desperately. I mean, you're playing musical chairs right now at center, putting in weird guys like Biombo at times. I mean, just go ahead and see what happens with Marcus Gasol. He's a tremendous passing big man. And uh, put him on that team with Kemba Walker and Batum, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's actually pretty fun. Uh, Con- yeah, that, that is very fun. I think he's got a lot of basketball left. And same with Conley. You know, I know he's got a hefty contract, but Memphis is in full rebuild mode, and those are the two. Anybody else, though, that we should be looking out for to be traded? Oh, it, it'll be interesting to see what Boston does because you feel like they're going to do something. Because that team right now, as constituted, just doesn't feel like it's going to win at all. Um, they haven't been very good this season. Um, so I feel like they will make a move. I think Toronto might make a move as well. I don't know how big the moves are that these teams are going to make. Um, I don't think Davis gets traded. Um, I think the Clippers very possibly could trade Danilo Gallinari if a team will take his contract. Um, he's obviously been really good this year. So there, there are going to be some names. I think Gasol, Conley, Gallinari... There, there are going to be some bigger names that could be on the move. Sixers going to give up on Fultz's contract and, I guess, give up on Fultz? Depends what they get. Mm. I mean, how big is their ego? I mean, yeah. they can <laughs> That's a good question. I, 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 they think that they're going to be looked at with, I mean, some laughs if they get rid of him and don't get what people think is fair value. Personally, if I'm the Sixers, get rid of him. I mean, he's, he's not going to work in Philly. I mean, that's clearly shown that he's not going to work in Philly. He doesn't trust that organization. Get rid of him, and hopefully you're able to get a pick or some young talent in return. For sure. I, I Yeah, part of it is just admit, admitting mistakes and moving on, not dwelling on it, not keeping him on the roster just to keep him on there. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that'll be fun to see as well. All right, Brandon, before I let you go, got to give you my piece on one other thing, last thing. Giannis is the MVP. I know Harden won it last year, but Giannis is the MVP. Best Ooh. player on the best team. And, and that's that's the logical argument. The illogical uh, argument uh, is I just don't like watching Harden play. I know he's doing a lot with, with as little resources as possible. But 
I mean, it, I just, I'd just rather watch Giannis play basketball. Dude, the only reason that Houston right now is even close to the playoffs is because of Harden. I, I mean, agree. Harden. I mean, they are currently sitting as the five seed, the thirty-one and twenty-two as we record this. Um, very possible they end up moving all the way to three when all is said and done. Uh, Harden, this thirty-point streak is unbelievable. I mean, I don't care about this whole. Oh well, how many of these baskets are assisted? I mean, who cares? The guy is putting up legit like 35, 8, and 10 every single game now. I mean, he's forced to triple-double every single night. I understand the numbers and the whole Westbrook triple-double thing and the phenomenon. I mean, Westbrook's going to average a triple-double, by the way. He's going to average a triple-double, and he's not even going to be sniffed out with the MVP. It's because numbers like that don't matter. But I do agree that Milwaukee without Giannis, I mean, they're nowhere close to where they should be. Um, But it's going to be going down to the wire. I don't think we're going to see – this decided until April. Okay. I mean, Harden is a beast, obviously. I just, yeah. some of the fouls and getting to the line and the calls he gets are one thing. Oh, for sure. I and, and Westbrook, I didn't, I wanted Harden to win two years ago too, because it should be the best player on the best or second best team. So yeah. if the Rockets make a run, I'll, I'll say, I'll say this much. If they can get to the two or three seed and finish there, I'd re I'd revisit it. But that said, if Milwaukee wins the East in the regular season, I mean, come on. Like that's that's insane. With and, and you know what's crazy about this is that in any other year, people are looking at Paul George as an MVP candidate. He's been he might be oh, third. Oh, he's probably he's third right now. Yeah, he's, he's been unbelievable. Good. And LeBron has been really good when he's healthy. I mean, LeBron when he's hurt, the Lakers suck. You realize that we're gonna have we're gonna have an unbelievable forward on third team All NBA this year, right? Because if you do the yeah. numbers, you got Kawhi, yeah. Durant, LeBron, George. And Giannis, they're all forwards. Yeah. You're going to put one, one of those five guys as third-team All-NBA, which is uh-huh. insane. Um, maybe it's Paul George, maybe not. I do think LeBron's first-team All-NBA streak ends this year. I think so. Because too. of the injury and also the competition. I don't know how you could – he'd have to basically play every game from here on out for me to consider him. And, I just and don't he'd think have that. to be like carrying them on his back to the playoffs and like all the way to a sixth seed or something like that. Yeah, it, man, that is a tough decision. You could have Paul George, third-team All-NBA, and top three in MVP. Oh, like a shame. <laughs> so, we'll see. Brandon, this was fun. Got any good uh, – you, you just dropped a podcast, right, recently? A new episode. Yeah, right? we, we did one um, last week um, with Heisman, can, Heisman winner, actually, in 1973, Capaletti. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that was fun talking to a former Ram. We previewed the Super Bowl. Obviously, the Super Bowl's over. Um, boring Super Bowl that it was, and uh, hopefully coming up this off season, we're going to hopefully talk to Shohei Otani's interpreter. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool to do that. We're working on that; it hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully uh, sometime in the next three four months, we know where these uh, MLB free agents are signing. Because yeah, is I don't, I don't know. Are Harper and Machado going to go and play dice for, uh, or go and play dominoes during the off? I mean, during the regular season, what's what's going on here? They're going to play dodgeball competitively. This is just it's getting out <laughs> of hand. Oh God, it's so bad. I mean, just go ahead and sign. Like pitchers and catchers are legit reporting in like two weeks. Yeah, everybody saw J.D. Martinez last year and thinks that that can just work for everybody. We're just trying to get on with putting a bow on the offseason and move to the regular season. We don't need these clouds. and You know, you might you might have to sacrifice the best winning opportunity to make some more money. It's a hard decision. We don't have a lot of sympathy for you because you can make $30, 40000000 a year. 
So we just like that decision pretty soon as fans. Just go and sign. I, I don't understand. I mean, if you're Bryce Harper, you're meeting with teams. I, I, I legit don't get it at this point. Like, I don't get what they're waiting for. The two of them are playing possum. They're hoping that one signs so the other can sign for a dollar more. It's the stupidest thing I've heard of in my entire life. It's going to be 30 seconds after the first signs. It's the Spider-Man gif, man, with the two guys that point the gun at each other, and they're just waiting for the other one to blink. Uh, That's perfect. That's perfect. All right, Brandon Marcus, this was a blast. Thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Glad to be here, and thanks for having me, and uh, hope that you have a fantastic NBA trade deadline season and that the Cavs do something lovely for you. Well, we all know one of those things isn't going to happen, but thanks again for coming on the show. (laughs) And that does it for today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Thanks to all my guests for coming on, Brenda Haven, Tom Weisenbach, and Brandon Marcus. Huge thanks to them. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find The Money Mitch Effect, all the episodes in its entirety, on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and it pops right up. Leave a rating, a review, subscribe. However you get your podcast, you can find them there. Check out The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and Money Mitch Effect and Money Mitch M21, I should say is the Twitter handle. Follow me there. A lot of news as well. Big props to Austin Matthews for signing his contract extension. He's getting paid deservedly. So the NHL is uh, on fire. We're going to be talking about that, I think, a little bit next week, as well as some tennis talk. Got to get into some other sports now that football is done. But lots to debate in tennis and, yes, hockey, because we're getting to that point now. It's going to be a mad dash for some playoff spots and some divisional races. So, We'll see what happens with the rest of this trade deadline. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep enjoying sports.